Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson today comes to us from John's Gospel, beginning in chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. I invite you to join in your own Bible or turn in the Pew Bible to page 108. Hear now God's word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange. And I was struck by the choir being up here this morning. Three years ago, we didn't have that many people in the building. Uh, because of the pandemic and we were live streaming and it's so good to have uh, so many joining us in this space today and thank you so much for being a part of this time of worship it's a beautiful time to be able to celebrate the resurrection today let's go to God in prayer God in your grace and mercy you call us by name Lord today as we come into this place we come Claiming that Christ is truly risen. We cling to that hope that we find at the empty tomb. And so today, Lord, 
May you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we gather. May you pour out your Holy Spirit and transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears. May they penetrate our hearts and may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hope died the moment that Jesus breathed his last breath. Hope died the moment that Jesus breathed his last breath. In spite of all the signs, in spite of all the wonders that Jesus had given them to show them that he is who he said he was, hope died that moment that Jesus breathed his last breath. And the thing is, three years before he had died, Jesus had said there to his disciples, right after he had turned over the money changers' tables and chased off the merchants from the temple, Jesus had proclaimed, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. His followers, though, they didn't get it. They didn't know that he was talking about his body as the temple. In fact, his disciples completely forgot that Jesus had even said that until after he was raised from the dead. You know who didn't forget? You know who got what Jesus was saying? His accusers. They're the ones that remembered what he had said. Matthew and Mark record his accusers remembering that Jesus had said this. And in fact, Mark writes that as Jesus was hanging on the cross... That some were mocking him, saying, Ha, you who are going to, to you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself and come down from the cross. Matthew records that after Jesus had died, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate because they said to him, Hey, we remember that he said that he was while he was still alive. This deceiver, this imposter said that after three days, I will rise again. Yeah, they got it. But the people that were closest to Jesus, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. When Jesus said that destroy this temple and in three days he would raise it up, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they got it. And in fact, after Jesus died, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate and asked him to place a guard because they feared that Jesus' followers would go and steal the body and that they would continue this deception that Jesus had implied. Pilate wouldn't do it. Pilate said for them to take care of it themselves. And so they did. They, they placed a guard at Jesus' tomb and they placed a seal upon the stone, very likely using a cord and some wax to affix the stone to the tomb. That way, if anybody tampered with it, they'd be able to see. See, for those closest to Jesus, though, hope died when Jesus died. Almost seems like even belief died for them. I don't think that belief died for everyone on that day. And I would argue, perhaps, that Pontius Pilate in this encounter with Jesus, may have even begun to believe that maybe he truly is who he said he was. I believe that maybe the centurion who witnessed Jesus' death, who immediately began praising God and proclaimed, truly this man was the Son of God. Yeah, I think maybe he believed. 
I think the thief on the cross hanging beside him, I think maybe he believed. But for everyone else, the moment that Jesus died, the moment that he breathed his last breath, hope died with him. For those people that were closest to Jesus, hope died. Now, after his death, what we know is that there was a wealthy man from Arimathea named Joseph. He had become a follower of Jesus, but a quiet follower. He went to Pilate to ask for permission to take the body of Jesus so that he might bury it. Nicodemus comes along and Pilate grants them permission. And so Nicodemus brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes to prepare the body for burial. This is the same Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin, essentially the Supreme Court of Israel. And they, together, the two of them, prepared the body. Now what we know is they followed the ritual traditions which would have involved uh, preparing the body by washing it. And you can imagine how much that body needed to be washed. Wash away the blood, the sweat, the dirt, and the grime of all that Jesus had endured. And so with love, with care, Joseph and Nicodemus washed the body. Not any of the other disciples, just these two. And as they washed the body, they anointed it with oil, with aloe, with myrrh. And they prepared the body, they wrapped it. The linens that went around the body over and over again. They would tie, affix the hands and feet together and place a cloth around the head to close the mouth. They would place the hands, have them tied together in the feet so that when they carried the body to the tomb, they wouldn't just be flopping around. They tended to the body, to the light of the world. And they placed them in a tomb. As they placed them in the tomb, hope was dead. Luke tells us that on Saturday... And Luke's gospel, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, they had prepared some additional spices and perfumes because the body probably had to be hastily put into the tomb. And so maybe they didn't get to do it as much as they had wanted. But they were planning to go to the tomb because Jesus was dead. The body of Christ laid in that tomb. And when he breathed his last breath, Hope died with him. Even though he had said he was the bread of life, even though he had said, I am the light of the world, he had said he was the gate for the sheep, he had said he was the good shepherd, he had said he was the resurrection and the life, he had said he was the way, the truth, and the life, he had said he was the true vine, even though he said that, he was. But Jesus died. And they saw it. They knew the reality of it. And Joseph and Arimathea, of Arimathea and Nicodemus had laid him in a tomb. And because Jesus died, they couldn't face tomorrow. Because he died, all hope was gone. Because he died, they thought he had held the future. And now life is not worth living. Because he died. Hope died the moment that Jesus breathed his last breath. But the thing is, Dead things don't stay dead when Jesus comes around. Dead things don't stay dead 
when Jesus comes around. John's gospel records it, and I know I just had it read a few moments ago, but still it's so, such a beautiful story. In John's gospel, Mary Magdalene arises early on the first day of the week, and before the sun is even up, she makes her way to the tomb. Maybe she was going just to go and to remember the way that we go and we will visit at a cemetery or where the remains of a loved one might be buried. Mary goes by herself, according to John's gospel. And as she goes, while it was still dark, she, there's enough light to be able to discern that the stone has been moved. The stone has been rolled away. And so Mary runs off to find the first ones that she could find, Simon Peter, and we believe John, the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. She told them, they have taken the body of my Lord, and I do not know where they have put him. And so Peter and John run. I always find it so funny when anytime I read this scripture, how John is the one that we believe might have authored this gospel account. And John is the disciple that runs along with Simon Peter. But John has to say twice that he got there first. <laughs> Just a little brag there, humble brag. Well, I got there first. I looked in. John looks in. He doesn't go in, he looks in, and he sees those wrappings. Think about it, those wrappings that would have gone over the entire body, they're there. And then the wrapping around the head is placed there to the side. They see this. John's gospel, and the way that John says it, that he looked in and he believed. What did he believe? Maybe he just believed what Mary had said. He's not here. He's not here. It says that Simon Peter, once he got there, remember John had a little while uh, waiting for him. Once Simon Peter got there, he goes in and he sees. He sees and they leave. They don't understand yet what has happened. How could they understand what has happened? But they leave and they leave Mary there at the tomb. And John records three different times how much Mary is weeping. I mean, you can imagine how distraught, how overwhelmed she is with everything. And she is just weeping. And she then goes and looks in. And she sees the same thing that they did. She stoops, she goes in. But then she sees the two angels Two angels in radiant white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been. And they ask her, woman, why are you weeping? She says, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And then she turns and she sees Jesus. But it's not the Jesus that she's looking for. Because Mary is looking for dead Jesus. Mary is looking for a body. Mary is looking for the breathless body of Jesus, and instead she finds the breath of life. Mary is so distraught. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? John writes that Mary supposes him to be a gardener, and in some ways, she's not wrong. I mean, God did plant the Garden of Eden and all living creation. So in some ways, she's not wrong. But she asks, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She's still caught up in looking for a dead Jesus. Jesus simply replies by saying her name. 
Mary. I've often wondered how he said that name. How he said it. Did he say it in the sense of like in love and care? Mary. Did he say it in more authoritative and commanding? Mary. Did he say it sort of astounded? Like, Mary, don't you see? But he simply says her name, Mary. And in that moment, hope that had been dead is resurrected. Hope had been dead, but in this moment, through that one word, Mary, Mary sees, she believes, she knows this is my Lord. This is my Savior. With that breath that uttered the name, that hope is resurrected. Hope died when Jesus breathed his last breath, but hope was resurrected in this moment when he calls her by name. And like Jesus calling Lazarus to come forth through the tomb, Jesus called for hope to be unbound. We have a Savior that knows your name. We have a Savior that calls you by name. And today as we get to share in the body and the blood of Christ and sharing in Holy Communion, as we come forth, may we hear God calling our names. Because friends, this world, this world is filled with so much violence. This world is filled with so much that separates us and divides us. It sometimes feels so hopeless. Maybe not for you, but I certainly have felt that in my time. And in those times where it feels like hope is dead within me, I feel like God sometimes is kind of like he called Mary. He's saying, Adam. Sometimes God needs to speak a little more firmly to me. Adam. <laughs> sometimes it's that astounded, like, Adam. Adam. The victory is won. Don't you know? Don't lose hope. I have come. I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly. And for those of us who might be in that point where hope has felt dead, today may you hear God call you by name. And as we receive this body and this bread and this cup, may we feel that resurrection of hope within us. Today, may you hear God call you by name. May you find hope again. Let us pray. Lord, in you, we find our hope. In you, we find our strength. In you, we find our meaning. In you, we find redemption. Today, Lord, I give thanks for the opportunity for us to celebrate the victory is won. You have overcome. And we claim that victory within us. And so, Lord, may we continue to cling to the hope that we always find in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.